This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Good morning to you. Welcome into the Action Line from WGNS. This morning, we're going to be talking about our juvenile court system. Judge Donna Scott Davenport is with us today. Good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Beautiful fall day. It is. I think we're all ready for a little crisp mornings and getting into the fall that's going to be followed by winter. Yeah, feels good, though. <laughs> it does. And you brought a friend with I you. I did. I found a friend to come with me today. I'm so happy that Sharon DeBoer is with us this morning, and she is the director of the Child Advocacy Center. So that's what we're going to talk about today because they've got uh, a big function that's going on. And I think our listeners are really be exciting. It's something everybody can join because it's going to be on Facebook. I will let her tell us all about okay. it. Okay? And then, well, plus, you've got the golf thing coming up Saturday. <laughs> yes, we've got the golf tournament coming up on Saturday. We're really excited about it. We have canceled all of our in-person events, but we feel like we're safe with this event because it's going to be outside. That those are good things to do. Good for people to be outside. Absolutely. And uh, tell us about what. Well, first of all, let's touch on the turkey tee off since that is coming up Saturday. Are all the slots full, or is there a golfer out there who still has a chance? We still have room for two teams, and we are very seriously looking for two more teams because we'd like to have a full course on Saturday. Okay, now tell us a little about this. This is not your first turkey tee-off. No, this is the 10th annual turkey tee-off. We love this event. It is so much fun. A lot of the golfers, it's the last time they'll golf before winter, and so it's really a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And a great cause to the Child Advocacy Center. Uh, Where will it be? It will be at Cedar Crafts Golf Course this Saturday at 8, but people need to get registered. If you have not registered, call us at 615-867-9000, and we will get your team registered to play. And you have room for only two teams. Two more teams. And each team is four players, and yes. so if you are thinking, I'd like to get so-and-so and so Get them together. And and what do they call the Child Advocacy Center? Yes, they call us at the Child Advocacy Center, and... It's going to be a fun day. We've been looking at the weather for for a while now, <laughs> and it may be cold this morning, and it actually may be a little chilly Saturday morning, but it's going to get up to 75 degrees, oh, so man. it'll be a beautiful day. And you're going to start off with, uh, what is it, breakfast? Or? Chick-fil-A is donating breakfast this year, and so cool. we're real yeah. excited about it. We're going to start with breakfast and registration, and then we'll, we'll tee off at... Um, 9 o'clock, but it starts at 8. We mm-hmm. register people and have breakfast at 8. So you just have some good fun. Oh, the whole day is fun. It'll be a lot of fun. And we end with a slick pig lunch. Oh, and I man. love slick pig barbecue. So it'll be Jerry nice. does a great job on Jerry that. Yes, he does. And it's, it's a 
you know, all of his family does a yeah. great job with super, that business. Super people. So uh, make it a point, and there's room for only two teams. So that means four golfers per team. Yes. So you better call quickly. 615-867-9000. Yes, thank you. Uh, and when will somebody be there to answer that call? Oh, they're there now. Oh, they're there. Okay, so if you have some teams, uh, remember only two, uh, better call. First come, first serve. 615-867-9000. Now, the other thing that is going on is the flag-raising ceremony. Tell us about that. The 19 days of activism for the... Uh, prevention of violence against children and youth comes up this month. It's November 1st through the 19th. It actually started on Sunday and we're hosting a flag raising and it's going to be a little different this year because it'll be virtual and people can view it on Facebook Live and if they have questions about how to do that they can call us at the Child Advocacy Center and we'll be glad to tell them. Now the flag raising will be Wednesday, November the 18th. It'll start at 12 noon and it'll be in front of Juvenile Court. So we'll be over there with Donna. So it's, it's going to be virtual. You'll actually be there raising the flag, but everybody else doesn't have to physically be there. You can go to your Internet and watch it virtually. Yes, you can watch it. And we did it at lunchtime so that people can watch it on their lunch hour. So where do you go to watch it? What uh, what site do you go Go on to? your Facebook page mm-hmm. and go to Facebook Live. Okay. So just go to Facebook Live. Okay. And that's at noon on November the 18th. Circle that date. There may be one or two people who are not aware of what the Child Advocacy Center is all about. Uh, Tell us a little about that. Anytime there's a child who's abused in Rutherford or Cannon County, those child abuse reports go to the Department of Children's Services. And Department of Children's Services is mandated by law to work with the Child Protective Investigative Team. And so that includes DCS, law enforcement, the District Attorney's Office, and the Child Advocacy Center. So what they kind of how it works, what they do, is they contact us at the Child Advocacy Center and we schedule a forensic interview with the child to find out what's going on. There have been allegations of abuse. It might be physical abuse or sexual abuse. So they contact us and schedule a time. And then they notify the law enforcement agency that has jurisdiction. So wherever this crime occurred, that's the law enforcement agency they contact. And when they come to the Child Advocacy Center, One of our forensic interviewers talks to the child, and one of our family advocates works with the family. As you can imagine, it's very devastating to family members to find out, you know, if you are a mother or a father of a small child and you find out someone has been sexually abusing your child, it is devastating. And so we have dedicated staff that are social workers that work closely with that family to try to help them through this. And it's difficult for families because not only are you trying to help your child heal from this trauma, so you've got to get connected to counseling and other kinds of resources like that, but they also have to navigate the criminal justice system. And Donna can tell you that can be very difficult for families to navigate. And so we're there to help them through that too. Especially when your thoughts and your heart are on the crisis that's happening, thinking about navigating another thing. Judge Davenport, that has to be a challenge. It is. And usually the only we deal with the civil side of the child abuse under the dependent neglect if the children have been removed or placed with a relative and the court gets involved in that aspect. 
if there are people charged, adults charged criminally with any type of criminal act against a child, of course, that goes uh, general sessions and then on up to circuit court. I don't, juvenile court doesn't deal with that, the law enforcement. But what's so devastating is that a lot of time it's family members, it's um, close friends that allegedly have uh, caused the acts, and they may or may not be charged. And it's, it's a lot to just, it, you're devastated to even know that something like this could have happened. And um, that's where the CAC comes in, where they really uh, cope with the child and help the family to deal, because it is, it's very trauma. And then when they come into court, because it's going to be probably a while before they come into court on the long run. Now, if we remove a child, they're going to have court within three days. Uh, but the the part that the court really appreciates the CAC is the interviews. They're always taped. And lots of times they're um, brought into evidence. And so the court observes those tapes of watching the child in that interview. Uh, And that's always a helpful tool for the court because it's another piece of evidence that that comes into court. It must be difficult to interview these abused children because they're already traumatized. And uh, I guess they're wondering, who do I trust? Uh, they're, they're feeling uh, very uncertain of themselves. Uh, so it's difficult, I would think, to get across to them, we're your friends. Let, let's just talk openly. Tell us what happened. It is very interesting to me to watch because when children walk into that forensic interview room, they look like the burden of the entire world is on their shoulders. And when they walk out, they look like that burden has been lifted. And I think what happens to children is that when they're being abused, they feel like this is their problem. They have to figure out how to solve it. But when they can turn it over to the professionals, to DCS, to law enforcement, to the forensic interviewer, then they feel like the adults are going to take care of this problem. And I think that's what this is. This is an adult problem. An adult has harmed this child, and we as a community have to take care of our children and protect them from predators. One thing that Judge Davenport had said earlier was when the schools were closed, uh, your, your point of information Uh, telling who are the teachers who see the children daily. Uh, That source dried up. Now that we're back sort of in school, some days we are, some days we aren't, uh, are you seeing uh, an uptake in that? Are you getting more reports again? What we saw immediately when the school shut down was that child abuse reporting went down. It probably went down by 50%. And that kids didn't have their trusted teachers and guidance counselors and and coaches to disclose abuse to. And so what happened as a result was that um, those reporting numbers went down. But after Memorial Day, what we saw was a huge increase in the number of cases. And that's because the community started opening back up and children were were talking to people. And so they were disclosing what was happening to them. Now we see... Our reporting levels right now are the same as they were this time last year. And so we have not seen, we saw, you know, it went down when we first put kids at home and said, don't go anywhere. And then when we opened back up and kids got out, then we saw a huge spike because of all the things that had happened to them while they were, you know, stranded at home. 
And now what we're seeing is very similar reporting levels to what we've had in the past. So we feel like kids are able to tell people now that they're getting out enough that they can tell people. So whether it's teacher or SRO or someone, it's just a friend that they have made and trust their, uh, their school. And, and so you're back to the normal levels. That's great news. Yes, we feel like that's great news, too. Very definitely. So, Judge Davenport, that has to fill up your your caseload. Yeah, I was just sitting here thinking just what I did I last week. Yeah. We are, we're back to removing two to four sets of siblings a week, which was about normal for abuse cases. Uh, and that's just the removals. That's not the ones that are placed with a relative or a, a close family friend that are safe to be with them. So we are back having more reporting and, and removing more children. And and I did months ago. I said it it uh, it really is devastating me and my heart to know that our children are there with no buffer. And it was the teachers. It was the guidance counselors. It was the SROs, the police. It was anybody that they felt that they could go to. Because a lot of times the evidence that I hear is that I told I told somebody, I told a family member, I told my mama, I told my daddy. And that, and if they did or they didn't, you know, we sort that out as far as credibility. But they feel like they've been abandoned. And when they were in that lockdown situation, I, I know that a lot of our children had to be suffering. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad in the respect that we are back able to at least be able to help our children and know that if we've got some issues going on that it's properly handled now and being reported because all those people in hospitals they're all uh, mandatory reporters if they suspect any type of emotional physical or sexual abuse obviously we are in fall fall feels uh, quite different from summer obviously uh, does the change in season does that create a difference in the number of cases that you see or that are reported not really i think we have probably more in the summer when everybody's the the temperatures are so warm and difficult and we're all a little cranky with the heat and uh but i don't do you sharon really see that yeah I i think the heat has a lot to do with making a lot of people on edge and and maybe uh inappropriate actions sometimes because they don't appropriately know how to anger their frustration handle their frustration or their anger with certain situations and everybody losing their jobs that was huge that had that had to impact our families with with their own issues of how how we're going to live and and everything and you know we strike out at the ones that we love the most and so but i'm glad that we are at least back where we are seeing some it's a it's a two asset i'm glad i'm not glad that our numbers are up but at least our children they're being protected now i wish we didn't need the cac i kind of wish i didn't have to do abuse cases you know i I wish that part of my court didn't exist for that but it does this has been around forever though i imagine even before there was a court oh absolutely Absolutely. You know, I teach at the university. I'm in my 25th year juvenile law, and that's one of the things I, I teach is the history and how we dealt with children back in the 1700s. What did we do? First juvenile court and all that. It's always been there. And it's funny, Bart, you say that because one example I give the, my students is back in 1850, this was going on, this was going on, this was going on. So they thought this would correct it. And I'll say, let me tell you what's going on today. This is going on. This is, It's the same issues. It's just we're handling it differently. 
you know, we still have the same issues. And so if you see what you think is child abuse, whether it's your family or a neighbor, what do you do? Because everybody's afraid. Well, they're, they're concerned. Well, if I tell this, uh, maybe it'll get somebody in trouble who doesn't need to get in trouble. Maybe it's not really what I think it is. What do we do? In the state of Tennessee, every Tennessean is a mandatory reporter of child abuse. And so if you think or suspect that a child is being abused, you have a an obligation and a duty to report. And I think that when you report, that activates the child protective investigative team to help that child and that family. And I think the judge has that telephone number for you. I, I think this is it's a toll-free number. 877 mm-hmm. 877- Two three seven zero 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 four eight seven seven two three seven zero 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 four, and um, the past couple of years, they, it's now on- online where they can send you a report of if it was founded or unfounded, and, and the progress of that report. And I always encourage people because I hear, look, I reported them, they did nothing. I reported them, they didn't keep reporting. But the more information you have for that initial call the better they can do their job. You know, they need any facts, any facts at all that you think will help, even if you think they're trivial. You need to give them all the information that you can. And, of course, now we have a lot. I see it in court where they make referrals, and it's totally unfounded. We have a lot of anger between parents and relatives, and they take it out on the child. You know, they cause DCS to be up in their business and in their homes. Mm-hmm. So, But if you really think that there is, and we've had them on – every show just about calling oh I believe this what should I do and of course if if you know somebody in the school system where they go to school you could always reach out to them but the DCS is the monitor of that all righty tell you what let's do let's pause for just a moment check on the traffic and weather we will be back when we come back we're going to learn more about the uh, Department of Children's Services, the Child Advocacy Center. We're going to learn more about how you can find out about these things. And if you have benefited from the services at the Child Advocacy Center, we'd love to hear from you this morning. Your words can be encouragement for somebody else who is right there on the threshold of reaching out, but they don't know what to do. So your call could be the thing that encourages them. Call us now or text us, whichever you prefer, all at 615-893-1450. Want to remind you again, today is Election Day. Be sure to get out and vote. Sometimes you got to wonder, is there anybody in town Truman Jones doesn't know? Truman Jones is on weekday mornings at 9 on WGNS. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. When it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car, Demas's has now started a curbside service. So you can order online, put your make and model of your car into the website, and when the food is ready, we will bring it out to your car, and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to curbside service. It's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of Murfreesboro. Visit us online at demusrestaurants.com. 
Wolf Wagon Mobile Dog Grooming. Grooming big dogs, little dogs, small dogs. The Wolf Wagon Mobile Dog Grooming. Grooming dogs of all sizes. Anxious dogs. Call 615-663-8139. Feisty dogs. Find them on Facebook. The Wolf Wagon. Good morning. Traffic still move around the line as we check it out live here on 24 Westbound up through the Hickory Hollow area in that construction zone as you continue towards Nashville. Sure, we've seen some problems out here, but they've been minor up to this point. Uh, traffic still holding up right now on 840 as you head over towards Franklin, Williamson County. Sleep with the sharks in a grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies, December 26th and 27th. All the details at Ripley'sAquarium.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Thank you, Chuck. What about that Murfreesboro weather? Brought to you by First National Bank of Murfreesboro. Skies become mostly sunny here this afternoon with a high in the mid-60s. Southwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, low near 38. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 35. First National Bank of Murfreesboro is growing to serve you better. Hi, I'm Shelly Rigsby, and in mid-November, our name changes to Capstar Bank. Our staff will be the same, but we'll be able to do so much more. First National Bank of Murfreesboro will soon become Capstar, the full-service bank with a small-town feel. We believe in keeping our personal relationships. First National Bank of Murfreesboro, soon Capstar, member FDIC. want to say good morning to everybody over there at First Class sales and service. It's your hometown auto repair shop. And listen, they're reminding you to keep up on that car maintenance and uh, the temperatures, too. As the temperatures cool, you want the uh, heater to be working. And they can help you right there at First Class Sales and Service. And if you're a teacher or a first responder here at Rutherford County, ask them how you can save, I mean really save, on labor cost for that next job. First Class Sales and Service. They're in Smyrna. That's right, right in Smyrna at 307 Hazelwood in Smyrna. And they remind you, don't wait. Get that car repaired. If you wait, it could be worse for you. Schedule your appointment today. First Class Sales and Service. Good Neighbor Talk covers issues you won't hear anywhere else. They're local issues. WGNS, AM, FM, online. Okay, we're in the segment now where we get response from you. So if you have a question, if you have a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Have you used the juvenile court system? Have you used the Child Advocacy Center? Have you been abused yourself and just haven't talked about it? It's been weighing heavily on you. Love to hear from you this morning because your call could make a difference to somebody else who's listening in. The head of the Rutherford County Juvenile Court Center, Judge Donna Scott Davenport, is with us, along with the executive director of the Child Advocacy Center, Sharon DeBoer. And again, we do thank both of you for all that you do for the community, especially the young people in the community. Sharon, for people who are wanting to learn more about uh, the Child Advocacy Center, wanting to maybe volunteer 
Uh, you have some programs, uh, videos, things of that sort. Tell us about those. You can access information on our website at cacrutherford.org, and there's a video on there about child abuse and information on our events and on our program services. And So they can visit the website to get information. And if they're interested in volunteering and getting involved, they can call us at 615-867-9000. Now, in this current 19 days of activism, which is November 1st through the 19th. Will there be any opportunities there to to learn more about the Child Advocacy Center? Absolutely. There are 17 partner agencies in Rutherford County that are partnering to educate the community about the prevention of child abuse, and those include the Boys and Girls Club, the Child Advocacy Center, Court-Appointed Special Advocates, Department of Children's Services, the District Attorney's Office, the Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault Center, Juvenile Court, Kamari House, Murfreesboro City Schools, Laverne Police Department, Murfreesboro Police Department, Our Kids Center, Safe Baby Court, the Prevention Coalition for Success, the Sheriff's Office, Smyrna Police Department, and Special Kids. All of these organizations touch the lives of children who are being abused. And so they are going to be submitting press releases, one a day. And I encourage people to watch for those, to learn more about these organizations and what they do to help child abuse victims. Let's talk a little about the Safe Baby Court. That's a relatively new organization. It got sort of a bumpy start. It got a real bumpy start. (laughs) It hit it (laughs) COVID-19. It did. We We had a bump getting it started, and then when we got it started, we got hit by COVID. But we are. We're up and going. And thanks again to Mayor Ketron, uh, because the concept is to meet off-site, not in a courtroom. And he has given us uh, room 205 in the historic courthouse to meet. And right now we're going every other Wednesday, and we're having to do some Friday afternoons in the courtroom uh, just because our caseload. And we can't do it all that morning because we have to space those out because of COVID. So we hope to maybe the first of the year have a special program and give you a good update on that. But right now we're seeing great success with that. And it's really what, great. To explain to us what, what is Safe Baby Court? Uh, the legislature passed a law about three or four years ago and started with, I believe, uh, seven courts. And now they increased it to another seven counties. And Rutherford County was that second group where they uh, are partnering with the Department of Children's Services, as well as mental health, uh, the Department of Mental Health with the state grant money. And it is a court where uh, there are allegations of abused children, and they are risking to be removed or have been removed, and a sibling in that group is three or under, from birth to three. That would qualify them. Of course, it's a voluntary court, and we still handle everything, but it's more hands-on than it is just if you have a regular case, because we do. We, we have one independent case manager that's hired through that grant with the, under the direction of the court, and we are in 
communication and a lot of these uh, folks that's what they need they they really just need that one-on-one uh, to help us help them and then they're getting it through the safe babies so we hope to have a great update the first of the year of, of our growth and our numbers that's exciting to hear that and it's exciting to see this going uh rutherford county was one of the first weren't we we're in the second group second group. second group okay. mm-hmm. there's i think 13 or 14 now out of the 95 counties i don't have the numbers exactly but something like that so yeah we were like the second go around now do we help people in other counties contiguous counties or are we strictly rutherford? we're just strictly rutherford county just okay. rutherford county and you have to have at least one sibling from zero to three and most of the ones that we're having so far are babies and then they have other siblings so even no matter how old the other siblings are they can still come in to say baby if they choose to Okay. We have a text here from a listener who says, I had been going to one of your parenting classes that made all the difference in the world, but those suddenly stopped. Uh, is there some way we can pick this up again? We're hoping so, and thank you for that comment. I, I raved about our parenting classes. They were free. The, the child and the parent had to both come and be involved, and we were seeing great things. It's still on the back burner whenever we can try to start it again, like with so many things that uh, with everything going on with the virus. But thank you for that comment, because I do see great things with that, because it gets both the child and the youth uh, involved. We're not pointing fingers at one or the other. So uh, we're still going to try to have that, and I appreciate your comment very, very much. Now, are there any things other than the courts going on at the center now? Uh, with this COVID-19 period? Well, our YSOs are still doing some walk-in um, probation, overseeing some children. And other than that, and we're limited, you know, in our courtrooms at Juvenile are, are small, and we're limited how many people can be in the courtroom. So we still have some cases from COVID that just physically cannot happen because I don't have a courtroom large enough because the cases I'm thinking of maybe have three or four daddies Mm-hmm. and then a, a mother and then the state and then a guardian and our attorney at litem and we need to try to keep it to 10 people and we can't we can't do that we we've been able to lax from the chief justice use your discretion but we still got to be distanced and it's very difficult to do that in in our courtroom in the hearing room we can't have more than four four or five people can you still talk with the YSOs and get some of their thoughts on things that are concerning you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We, we've got great communication with our director there, Miss Tina Bigby, and, and we, we are trying in, trying to think of new things uh, to, to engage our children because the probation is at a low, low time low because the children aren't coming in. And so we are. We're trying to do some other uh, imaginary programs, which we are doing, services for our but a lot of that is by Zoom. They were in person. And then if we think of a new one, it's pretty much by Zoom, too. But at least there is communication. And we still have some agencies that are going into the home. When we have a youth that really needs that one-on-one counseling with the family, I do have one agency particularly that's going in three to four times a week into the home personally. You know, they're doing the distancing and they're wearing masks and everything. Uh, but we are at least able to do that. Too, right now here's a text from a listener who says i have a nephew who is about 14 and i know that they are doing distance learning in his class but he certainly has a lot of friends coming over on a regular basis i'm getting concerned we live about a block away but i still see what's happening uh, and i don't know that the parents know what should i do 
Oh, my. Well, if I guess you think that they're probably up to no good <laughs> to put I've, in I've, that. I, I got think, that feeling. That's what I, I'm feeling. I think that's what they were referring to. You know, I, I, I would hate to bother our law enforcement with a welfare check, but that could be one thing. Or that um, do a DCS referral, uh, but you don't have any information to give them, but your gut that, that something might be going on. Um, but welfare checks by law enforcement, they do that. That's part of their job that they really enjoy doing because if they can clear a child that's not in danger or say oh yeah you're right you need to dcs needs to get here right now and something needs to be done that might be an option um i I don't know because you're not a parent Mm -hmm. and you don't have those constitutional rights uh just keep an eye out you know Uh, maybe you could ask him to come to your house to school Oh, yeah. What, <laughs> Maybe you, know, you that's, could volunteer that. <laughs> that's interesting because you were mentioning uh, last week, uh, last month when you were on uh, about how it's difficult to know if the child is really participating uh, in the distance learning. Uh, is there a record? Can you can somebody tell if the child is? Yes, doing they this? can tell. The school okay. system can tell. Um, I have a child that's distance learning, and they have to get on. Clever and Kidum and Teams and all these platforms every day for their class. They have to, you know, write down what their assignments are. Some of the teachers have videos. Some of them have PowerPoints. Some of them have live classroom instruction where they have to get on at a certain time. And then they have to turn in their homework. So they have to upload those homework assignments. And so I think that for me personally and my child distance learning is working great because he has the best grades he's ever had good because he doesn't have friends coming over during the day (laughs) you know he's doing his schoolwork and so that's been really good for us um and i think the school system i think it's really been a struggle because they have in-person learners they have distance learners they have kids that get covid19 and become distance learners i think it's really been a struggle for the school system and i commend them for the job they are doing Absolutely. And my son is in Rockville High School, which everybody went to distance learning when the football team got COVID-19. And so I think that the school system has really done an outstanding job, I think, trying to keep our kids safe through this pandemic. Very definitely. I think uh, the school system, the police department, uh, everybody, the parks, and especially parks and rec, mm-hmm. man, they have They have taken phenomenal. it up a step or two, haven't Boy, they? I've been been thinking out of the box and and i hope they continue with a lot of the things that they're doing so i applaud them because when they're doing that a lot of children are there not getting in trouble yeah and, yeah. and they're, and they're safe. Us safe yeah, yeah and, but safe. healthy too right. i mean if if we stay in our house all the time that's that's not good for our health it's not good for our mental health either so and speaking of mental health are is this Impacting what you are seeing uh, on in, in your courts? Uh, absolutely, Sharon and I were talking at the break that we both have seen an increase in alcohol uh, drinking drugs. and drugs during when the lockdown was really the first several months, and with that, you know, comes anger, a, a personality change that affects sometimes uh, striking out at our children, and uh, we have seen an increase in that. 
Sharon, tell us a little about uh, the increase in drugs and alcohol. Uh, what is what are you seeing in that, and why is it happening? It's very interesting to me because we started the Child Advocacy Center 20 years ago, and when we worked child abuse cases 20 years ago, about 10% of our cases involved alcohol and drugs. Last year, in 2019, 64% of our wow. cases involved alcohol and drugs. And so the person who's either using alcohol and drugs in front of their children or they've harmed their children and they're on alcohol and drugs or they've sexually abused their child and they're on alcohol and drugs. And it's just amazing to me the drug alcohol and drug crisis in, in our community and how many people as a result of it are exposing their children to this. And when you think about it, What's really important is that we break that generational cycle of addiction so that these children don't grow up and become addicts too. And so it's really frightening when you see it go from 10% to 64%. We're going the wrong direction, you know. Well, you know, the parent is is the role model, whether they want to be or not. They are the role model for their children. And when their children see the parents doing these things, they think, hey, it's okay. And then keep on going. About 15 years ago, we started a drug endangered children program because of the number of alcohol and drug cases that are where children are being exposed. And we have had great success with that program. We um, we only work with parents that want to stop using alcohol and drugs. So they they've got to make a commitment to stop, particularly drugs, using drugs, and that they've got to. Um, put their children first and meet their children's needs and, you know, for housing and food and clothing and getting them to school on time and all those things that are important in a child's life. And what we do is work with the parent to try to help them get off drugs. And then we work with children to try to break that generational cycle of addiction. And it's been a very successful program. Now, what we really do are things like help parents with how to be a good parent and help children understand you know what they can do if mama is passed out in the floor because we have parents that OD in front of their kids and so we teach children how to dial 911 and get help sometimes as early as you know two and three years old we're teaching them how to dial 911 and get help the thing about alcohol and drug addictions isn't that people don't want to stop. Lots of them want to stop. What happens is they relapse. And so we're constantly working with children. What a child wants is simple. They want their parent to do the right thing. They want them to go to work. They want them to buy groceries. They want them to make supper. They want them to help them with their homework at night. What kids want is very basic and very simple. And what happens in these families is that drugs become more important to that parent than their child. And that's that whole cycle of addiction. That is so sad. Now, I think, and let me know if this is accurate. In looking at the drugs that people are taking today, we're not looking at drugs that are made safe through a pharmaceutical company. Many of them are created by people in their home laboratories for the sole purpose of making it cheap and selling it high. And these aren't people that went to MTSU and got a degree in chemistry (laughs) making these drugs. (laughs) And and, and sometimes these drugs have frightening things in them. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's where you see the overdoses, is that people don't know what's in that drug that they're ingesting. 
And so what we're real concerned about are the number of people in this community that are using drugs. And I think a lot of them truly want to get help and want to get off drugs. And so it's important that we really look at alcohol and drug treatment centers and how to make these things, you know, free for the community. Because it impacts generations of children to have a parent who uses drugs. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. Good morning. You're on WGNS. How are you this morning? Hey, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing fine. Awesome. Hey, I just got a question. and uh, uh, I know a few people went before um, Donna Scott before and, and said she is real good about being fair to the dad in uh, custody situations. Uh, the reason I'm calling is um, there's issues with uh, when when a couple splits up, it seems like they're always partial to the woman. And like I call DCS on uh, my son and his wife after they split up. And the reason why was because um, the wife is bad on drugs. Well, she still lives with her granny, and they live in a three-bedroom apart, uh, three-bedroom trailer. There are seven of them that live there, and um, when DCS went out there, that and told them they was going to do a drug test on her. She's like, uh, "Well, I have a uh, urinary tract infection," so they gave her five days to come into the office to take a new test. And so then they told her also, if you were to fail the test. We would help you. We got programs we can help you, but not in one situation did they tell my son that they have programs where they could help him. And he wasn't on drugs, but uh, he was trying to live on his own, and he wanted to try to take care of the kids himself. But he's not able to take care of the three kids himself either. But they were willing to help her, but they're not willing to help him. And I just don't understand those situations. Well, let's see what the uh, professionals say about that. Thank you for calling. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I get you know, of course, that's a DCS decision, and I, you know, I don't know the all of the facts, that, but what the caller gave us, they usually work as a team because it's a two-parent family, and and it's it saddens me if that is true that they they said the father doesn't have any issues, so we're not going to help you, because I usually find that they're working with the parent that doesn't have the issues to still reunify even with the mother and and the children and the father has to be there and usually if they are about to do a removal and they have no concerns about one parent they will usually safety plan with that other parent that's good male or female and then but they would probably work more with the one that has the issue that saddens me and, and disturbs me a little bit if they're not because what I'm seeing in court is that they are, that they work with both parents. And that's another thing the court has to be on top of. And I appreciate that you think I'm fair. I just listen to the proof. And it we, we side in the best interest of the child. And the facts are the facts that we hear. And those are the decisions that we make in juvenile is what, where is this child best going to be loved and taken care of? That was Judge Davenport, by the way. Sharon, do you have some thoughts? Yes, I'm going to tell you what I think. Everybody has a boss. And if you don't think that that DCS case manager did a good job on that case, they have a boss. 
and you can call them. And what I found is those supervisors at DCS genuinely care about children. And they have usually been there quite a length of time, and they've seen lots of cases. Now, that case manager may be straight out of MTSU and brand new at this. But if you feel like somebody has not done a good job in a case, call Department of Children's Services and ask for their supervisor. Because what I find is they genuinely care about kids and want that situation to be a good situation for those children. How do you find that boss? Uh, what do you just call DCS? You just call DCS and say, I need to talk to a supervisor. and okay, they Just will any get, supervisor. Well, I think every person, you know, you can tell them the case manager's name and they'll give you that person's supervisor. But that's what we found to be very effective is just go to the supervisor. If something isn't working out, talk to the supervisor. Very good. We have just a few minutes left in our broadcast. I know there are a whole the time has <laughs> flown. I, I'm not sure how it has gotten by so quickly. Uh, we're going to pause for just one quick moment. We will be back and wrap it up. Stay with us, won't you? We'll be right here. Hi, this is Dave Kiven of Music World and Drummer's Den. We'd like to invite you to come by and see Dan, our guitar tech, Riley, our drum instructor, and Tom, our keyboard and guitar instructor. We offer lessons for any level from beginner to advanced. Our instructors are great with any age, and they'll teach you the songs you want to learn and in the way that you like to learn. Come by in Music World and Drummer's Den. This is Ron Hall with Fair Construction. Why move into a new house and, and leave a home that you already have memories with and, and sentimental value, and we can come in, and, and whether you want to totally remodel your house or if you just want to update your kitchen and bathroom, we can help with any of those things. So when we decided to redo the playroom... It was obvious. We called Faro Construction. If you can dream it, we can turn it into reality. Fair Construction Company. All that's news. Your afternoon local news, traffic, and weather update with Matt Lane. Weekday afternoons, 440 until all sports talk on News Radio WGNS. Want to say good morning to our friends at First Class Sales and Service. They're your hometown auto repair shop. And they're in Smyrna. They're reminding you to keep up and keep that car maintenance where it should be. It'll work a lot longer for you. And as we approach this colder weather, you want that heater to work too. Uh, Make sure that it's all working. Take it over to First Class Sales and Service. Easy to find. They're at 307 Hazelwood in Smyrna. First Class Sales and Service. And if you are a teacher, if you are a first responder in Rutherford County, Ask them how you can save, I mean really save, on labor cost on that next job. A place to remember, First Class Sales and Service, 307 Hazelwood in Smyrna. Before you go, there are several things we need to remind people of once again. And if you're a golfer... uh, Sharon, what can we do for golfers? (laughs) They can come to the turkey tee off on Saturday. The other thing we have going on this year is we have an online silent auction. Ah. So you do not have to be a golfer to get into our online silent auction. Just go to our website, and it will direct you there. 
And, of course, the virtual flag raising to honor child abuse survivors is coming up. Uh, Wednesday, November 18th at 12 noon. You can find us on Facebook Live. We are not going to do an in-person event. We're not going to spread COVID-19. We're going to be doing it online this year. So we're real excited about that. And Judge Davenport, uh, if, if a person is concerned that somebody uh, is being abused and they want to report uh, to child abuse, uh, what number can we call? They can go to our website at the Child Advocacy Center at cacrutherford.org. We've got the number listed. We've got a link where you can report child abuse. You can either report online to Department of Children's Services or you can call their number. Or if you just need more information, we have a link where you can get more information. Very good. And that number to call once again is 877 237 0004. Again, that's 877 877- Two three seven zero 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 four, and I will put that in writing uh, on our podcast for people who uh, missed something and wanted to listen again. It'll be on the podcast, so you can actually see it there. Judge Davenport, you always wrap up our program with about a minute or so of uh, thoughts for us to sort of keep at heart. Well, I appreciate Sharon coming today and, and us recognizing the abuse that is so serious in our county and. You know, I used to say, go hug a child. We can't do that hardly anymore. So uh, just every child you see, just lift them up uh, with a silent prayer because our youth, our teenagers, and our little ones, they all need that. And uh, that's how our community can help some of our children heal, just to smile, just to smile. Because if you can't hug them and you can't say anything to them, you can at least smile and give them a positive. Well, you can, they might not see the smile through the mask, but they can see it in your eyes. They'll be able to see that in your eyes. So if you see one, just give them all the love you can through, through your uh, thoughts to theirs. And we want to thank both of you for continuing to share this love that you have for others because it's so obvious. Judge Donna Scott Davenport from the Rutherford County Juvenile Court Center and Sharon DeBoer the Executive Director for the Child Advocacy Center. Stay with us. Truman is next, right here on your Good Neighbor Station. Hey, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. This was good.